Hello and welcome to the 116th FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast this year on Wednesday, 1st of February. I'm Mopani, I'm your host. You can call me Mo. And the podcast is here to bring you guests who update you on the commodity complex. You can also stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by signing up for our app, FIS Live. You can also follow our Twitter page at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. This year, we're providing you with more frequent and brief updates with a wider range of conversations related to the freight and commodity world. Uh, we would appreciate your feedback and ideas. If you'd like to share some or would even like to feature or recommend a guest, send us an email at news at Now, last week, we covered freight and FFA's negative sentiment, China's impact on that, volatility and volume differences with Cape size compared to other contracts. Well, you can watch that on iTunes, Spotify, and our SoundCloud plugin on our website. It is episode 115, released on Wednesday, the 25th of January. Today, uh, we're going to cover what happened and what's happening in the world of steel and scrap, uh, go through freight and FFAs, and a bit more on the Ferris complex. So first up, we've got our head of steel desk, Robert Belcher, here to speak with us about steel and scrap. So, Rob, tell us, how was last year in the steel market? Yeah, I mean, a really interesting year. I mean, there's been, a, been an increase in market volumes and, personally, our market share across the board. Uh, nice to finally see the U.S. hot-rolled coil uh, futures market surpass the 5 million tonne mark um, and the growth of the European hot-rolled market, the, uh, the blood, sweat and tears that have gone into that. Uh, that's up 226% uh, year on year. I mean, we've seen, we've seen a, a lot of increases in market volumes. As I mentioned, the US surpassing the, the 5 million tonne mark. But then you look at the, uh, the HRO, which is the uh, US uh, hot HRC options market, which is up about 300%. Um, European 226 as mentioned and even some of the LME contracts uh, Turkish scraps up 66% volume wise uh, Turkish rebar 78% so volume wise is looking good in terms of you know liquidity new participation um, and the e- increase in volume and the trade frequency um, in terms of the uh, sort of rolling front month futures, um, we've we've seen a pretty uh, bearish year for steel and scrap. Uh, the USHRC has come off about thirty six percent year on year, uh, and it just really creates more of an imperative incentive for physical hedging to enter the market and mitigate and control risk. Could you tell us a bit on uh, Turkish scrap? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, I mean, last year scrap availability sort of really uh, remained tight amid lower industrial activity and weak consumer confidence uh, in the sort of key ferrous scrap uh, exporting regions to Turkey, uh, such as UK, continental Europe, the Baltics, US, for example. Um, the the usual seasonal uh, downturn in scrap uh, collection rates during the winter has also really hit supplies. Um, Turkish mills, they've, they've struggled to uh, remain competitive in the export steel market into the sort of the second half of 22, uh, relying mostly on domestic steel demand um, amid rising production costs uh, caused by sharp hikes in the electricity and, and gas prices, I'm sure you know, uh, as well as uh, relatively firm scrap prices. My, my, you're on a roll. And uh, what about uh, European HRC? Uh, European HRC, probably the most volatile uh, time on record um, for the European hot rolled coil market. Um, you know, Russians' invasion of Ukraine sent prices rocketing only for sort of 
demand depression to drag margins close to historical lows over the, the second half of the year. I mean, the index started 2022 at around 900, uh, 900 euros a tonne um, and bumbled along a sort of 25 euro range until mid-February. Um, and then the, the potential for Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the actual outbreak uh, of the hostility saw prices roof as, as buyers became uh, concerned about the real uh, security of supply. I mean, the two, the two countries between them, they accounted for around... 2.6 uh, million tons of European uh, imports in 2021. Uh, so out of out of total third country volumes, around 9.3 million tons. Um, you know the the Args index uh, hit a historical high of um, 1,412 euros on the 23rd of March. And I mean the, the, these are record prices and continued supply disruption. You know, sort of caused by the COVID nineteen pandemic. You know, exacerbated by the disruption to the Ukraine and Russia component supply. I mean, it quickly saw demand taper off. Um, I mean, then the index fell continuously from its high to about six oh two euros at the end of November. Sort of as service centres focus more on destocking high priced inventories. Separate one from steel. Separate one last question. How do, you do a lot of business, but how do you feel about Crystal Palace's business in the market this January? I feel like we've got off to a, a, a strong start in the season. Um, and, you know, as, as knowing you quite well, Mo, that you're a, a Manchester United fan, <laughs> uh, you know, we'd just like to talk about uh, Elise's free kick from about 35 <laughs> yards into the top corner. And uh, that's all I'll really say on that. Thanks. Nice reminder. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. Thank you, sir. Next up, we've got our head of business development, Kerry Deal, here to give us an update on the freight and FFA world. Kerry, over to you. Thanks a lot, Mo. Cape had another terrible week, unfortunately, with rates losing ground. As many hope for China's return, most of the support was generated from the Pacific, whilst activity from the North Atlantic and the Brazil remained at the very low end. Tonnage oversupply looking pretty heavy through February still. On the demand side, coal cargoes carried by Capes jumped nearly 70% to 6.4 million tons last week from the previous 3.7 million, which is understandable considering Capes are so heavily discounted now compared to those Panamaxes, they are competing for that business. Rates in the east have now slipped to region $6.30 per metric ton on that C5 West Aussie China route, while the C3 Brazil China route has been headed towards the mid-US dollar 16s per ton. The paper also suffered during the week of Chinese New Year, with a drop of around 20% week-on-week, while even the previously unshakable back-end has started to come under pressure in the last 24 hours. Feb is trading 5.125 this morning, while the Q3 is showing 18.475 value today on FIS Live. That's for the Cape 5TC paper. The Panamax has actually firmed a bit during the past week on the back of increasing coal and grain activity. Coal volumes were seen up from the U.S., which exported 37% more coal than in December. That's a total of around 7.6 million tons. Despite the substantial volumes, the fixture rates didn't go up perhaps quite as much as we might have expected. That's because those Cape vessels, as I mentioned before, are competing for coverage. They are competing for those cargoes. An 82,000 metric ton coal stem uh, was fixed via U.S. East Coast redelivery India-Japan range at around 17,500. Positively, more activity was seen on the front hall grain trips. In the north, trips via North Coast South America redelivery Sing-Japan range were being fixed around 18,250. And trips back to the continent were heard at 13,250. 
A much quieter Asian market last week due to the Lunar New Year holidays did, however, see some increased coal inquiry coming in later in the week. However, this week's been noticeably a little more sluggish in terms of cargo demand, so let's see where we go from here. Paper has been weakening for the past couple of days, with the 4TC futures trading 8500 for February today, and the value of that Q3 now 14100 on FIS Live. To finish off, we have Hao Pei, our research analyst, to update us on the Ferris market. Hey Hao, welcome back. Hi Mo, long time no see. So how was the Chinese New Year? I mean, I'm guessing it was different from last year. We were experiencing a much crowded and fun holiday missed for three years. More traffic on the road in China, a bit hard to book flights and hotels. And I think it's quite interesting since it takes more, uh, it takes all economies, the, the big economies to recover, including US, Europe, China, Japan, India, Southeast Asia, and etc. Till we see economic statistic change. But we are happy and almost sure that both lives and investments will become better in 2023 in global wise compared to 2022 at least, aren't they? Um, Consolidated by some uh, investment banks and national uh, statistics, I would like to share. And the most fast growth rate um, would show up in 2021 and 2022 for Southeast Asia and India. Well, for China, the best growth window is indicated at 2023. For US, uh, the fastest, the fast growth window would show up in 20, late 2023 to first half of 2024, while for Europe, the entire growth window would come in 2024, according to the analysts in investment banks. And uh, so I guess we are all on the trial to go back to normal in the next two years, in this year and next year. We noticed that iron ore index growth was 7 to 8% before and after the Chinese holiday with a small uh, vis- uh, physical volume traded. What are the reasons for this growth? And do you think uh, perhaps it's a quarter-length trend or just a short-run speculation by market sentiment? This is a quite interesting question. I think that it, it always happened. I mean, I think that we all know the story that Chinese NDRC sent several measures and policies to avoid market mispricing or investigate in some big traders to track on the physical records and etc. However, that is not direct related to uh, the derivatives market or even index market since financial institutions contribute more marginal change or marginal power on the price change nowadays. The During the holiday, Chinese holiday last week, we saw uh, a dynamic reason for the commodity market growth, including the slowdown expectations on U.S. interest hike in February. There are 40 to 45 Chinese cities published housing support in different format, including uh, lower mortgage rate qualifications uh, for to support buying 
more houses for one family. They are, there are thousands of cities and towns in China, so I think the market was imagining how much more cities would come out with uh, flexible measures to support this market. But in general, this is not relevant to the fundamental side, in particular our marginal market. The truth is, there should be again ticking period for this hot money short run. They, uh, if they trace other sectors in next week, let's say, iron, so would be a downside risk for iron market. Iron ore fixed price followed index. Index was created by quoted price during non-trading window, including not too many tradable values, in fact. The only trade by uh, float we saw recently by BHP for JMBF was for Jambaba was even lower compared to early January. The discount expanded from 4.85 to 4.95. The high index was uh, has squeezed out growing room for index hooked products, including high concentrates, pallets, and lumps. Moreover, um, physical margin for Chinese steel mills was still struggling on break-even, although virtual margin was indicated they're back to normal. Not considering the futures already have priced in the recovery sentiment and increasing trend pick iron usage. There is even less room for iron ore to grow in short run. Is there anything else that gives you confidence that the zero COVID policy won't return? I think it's too costly for the country to return to the zero COVID uh, strategy or policy because um, as we saw, there's only one city, should be Shanghai, realized a tiny gains on its government balance sheet in 2022. So the most of cities are even in the uh, risk of default in many assets, including housing, infrastructures, industrial projects, as we saw, um, industry um, value-added amount above designated scale realized a big loss, 8 to 10%. Some cities realized a 20% um, decrease compared to 2021. So um, I think uh, from the government side, they won't go back to resist, uh, to, to, to adopt the zero COVID uh, policy again. Fantastic. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Mo. That's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in the freight and commodity space, remember to sign up for our app FIS Live or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give any feedback or suggestions, remember to email us at news at freightinvestor.com. You've been hearing from Mo. Have a great week.